Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. And I'm Jordan Morris, boy detective. And this is Jordan, Jesse, go! This week on Jordan, Jesse, go ecstatic dance and bad lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. Let's go. Jordan, Jesse, go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Ah, joining us on this cool, lovely Los Angeles evening. Uh, he's a writer for network television. He's a published author. He's one of the most popular guests in Jordan Jesse Go history. Yeah. A nominee, if I recall correctly, for Best Jordan Jesse Go Guest of 2010 in the ad hoc contest on the Maximum Fun Forum <laughs> uh, that I didn't really this want to encourage. This isn't, this, isn't, you're not, this isn't being officiated by a governing body, you mean? Well, FIFA. Oh, okay. FIFA's sure. in charge of it. Yeah, they got four years till the next World Cup. The same they guy. Do something, right? The guy who invented penalty kicks is on this. Oh, okay. He's in charge of this. Uh, we should get that octopus to pick the best guys. <laughs> yeah, that's a... Remember that octopus? <laughs> he was a great octopus. Oh, you know, sure. octopus is a really smart creature. He can solve complex puzzles. Sure. And pick, predict the future. Yeah. If it's German. Right. Nick Adams Camouflage with us. too, also Camouflage. Nick, repeat Adams. Yeah. Is Nick, so, or, is Nick the most, uh, is Nick now the most oft, often appeared Often I'm the Alec appear. Baldwin of Maximum Fun. Yeah, yeah I mean, That's he's the only be, time anyone ever compared me to Alec Baldwin. He's got to be neck and neck with with Gene and Chris Fairbanks at least, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's your that's your holy trinity, so to speak. Can we take us back to the '80s? You're the Paul Simon of uh, <laughs> um, of Maximum Fun. I'll take it. Wasn't that when Paul Simon was on Saturday Night Live all the time? in The '80s. Isn't Paul Simon close personal friends with Lauren Michaels? Isn't that the isn't yeah? That the no, deal? I think that it, I think it is a it is a but he's nepotism, and thing. he's married to Edie Brickell still. Really, cor- correct? Good for him. Which that doesn't tie in anything, but I really ha- always. You know, kind of this had a is just for, this is a segment. The segment is What's random white people that I like. <laughs> fun, fun facts. <laughs> fun facts about the whites with <laughs> Nick Adams. The whites. Everything's classy when you put that in front of me. <laughs> hey, Nick, what's Larry Bird been up to? Uh, Larry is good. His back's been flaring up recently. Oh, boy. He had an epidural. Sure. Um, Larry, I've heard some rumors about the possible dissolution of Vampire Weekend. Confirm or deny? <laughs> you know, like, here's the thing. You get to a certain age, and you try to stay abreast of what's hep. Right. That's how it's pronounced, right? Absolutely. Um, and then it's Cap just, in your keeping abreast of pop culture, you have learned that kids now say hep. Right. Certainly. The, current these, the kids are called the kids are calling themselves zooters. <laughs> Zooter. The zoot suiters. I can't watch out, some carry zip guns. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a group of them smoking the reefers. Sure. Um I don't know who Vampire Weekend is. That's where this is going. I don't know who they are. That's, no, my I'll wife likes. Mark. You know what? Here's the thing. There's one of those bands every week. I can't. I can't keep. Up you with guys, that. as you guys know, I like rap music. That's my interest in music. Sure. And to some extent, I like soul music, but uh, maybe even as much as rap music. But I mostly don't like rock music. But uh, my wife likes Vampire Weekend. Um, has both of their records, and I know that. Um, uh, that the cool kids have fl- are largely divided on the issue of Vampire Weekend. Many of them, uh, many of them love Vampire Weekend. 
uh, because they like their Lacoste polo shirts and so on. I'm, I'm already disliking these guys based and, on that. <laughs> and many of them hate Vampire Weekend because others among them love Vampire Weekend and because Vampire Weekend uh, actually became successful. Here's how much I hate Twilight and True Blood. I now hate <laughs> Vampire Weekend wow. just because of those it's two carried over. vehicles. Um, Surely you don't dislike the Blade trilogy. I'm not an idiot. Okay, I'm not you. a moron. Yeah, I. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You have you have some class. Speaking of that, yes, please. Let's very speak popular the Blade tweet trilogy. for me a few weeks ago. Okay, just here's the thing. Uh, Blade star Wesley Snipes sure. has to go to prison because he didn't pay his taxes, right? Why not? He makes another Blade movie. The government keeps the proceeds. Oh yeah, everybody pu- wins. A publicly funded Blade movie. Yes, it everybody- can air. It can air simultaneously in theaters and on PBS. Right. Who would this be? Sort who of wins like- if we send Wesley Snipes to prison? Nobody. It's everyone loses. No. Yeah. I mean, but, especially hey, Wesley Snipes. If we get another Blade movie out of the deal. I'm all for it. Would this be sort of like how the Green Bay Packers are owned by the city <laughs> of Green Bay, Wisconsin? <laughs> exactly. Sure. We could have funny Blade trilogy hats that everyone could wear to the premiere. Wesley doesn't have to go to jail. We get another awesome yeah. Blade. Well, we get another Blade movie. <laughs> sure. Let's just leave it at that. Maybe throw Jessica Biel in this one, too, and everybody's happy. Absolutely. I told you what my aunt said after she hugged Wesley Snipes at a party, right? Uh-oh. Uh, no, you didn't. Uh, I have this aunt, Claudia, who is, um, uh, I guess what you would call a, a outrageous older woman at this point. Um, she's not a, my biological aunt, my mom's b- closest friend. Is she uh, sassy? Would she describe herself as sassy? She's, she, I don't know if she would. She may be a little bit, even as a even as a 60-year-old lady uh, or 65-year-old lady somewhere in there. Does she tell it like it is? She's a, maybe mm-hmm. a little too cool to call herself sassy, oh, but she yeah. definitely tells, she it, tells like it, it like it is. is. She definitely tells it like it is. Um, and also, she's an Orisha, which is some kind of priestess. Okay. <laughs> it involves wearing white robes. Um, and uh, do they wear the orange, like some sort of headband, like headpiece as well? Uh, yes, I think so. Like it's, a some, it's like a Haitian thing or oh. something. I don't know, or like an African thing. Um, but she, uh, she is, um, she's also not a midwife. A, du- uh, a doula. A doula. She's yes. a doula. Hmm. She's also a doula. Um, she used to be an administrative judge. Um, but now she's a doula slash Orisha. Amazing woman. Really amazing woman. And um, uh, so anyway, she lives in Washington, D.C., and her brother is Wesley Snipes' hairdresser. Um, she has this brother who Does is Wesley just... Snipes live in Washington, D.C.? No. Oh, the brother lives here. The brother travels with Wesley Snipes. Oh, wow. Okay. Where does the bro- When he's not with, with Snipes, where does the brother... I think he's him? always with Snipes. Okay. Have I think he's part Wesley's of the Snipes hair? team. I mean, that, you know. No, I mean, you know. Um, this is, I mean, I'm not sure if he's currently Wesley, but for many years, you know at least, what movie leading he up to this story being with like Demolition Man on because if he's to blame for that well, debacle, <laughs> yeah, this all went down because <laughs> the only problem with Demolition was Man his was his hair. Yeah. Everything else about that movie, Sandra Bullock was transcendent. As the, usual. the Taco Bell integration <laughs> seamless. There was um, this all went down around the time of Murder at 1600. Mm. Um, so he was definitely it then, and yeah. that was only a couple years after Demolition this Man. So I think he was Man. on yeah, Demolition Man. This is him Man. trying to like serious up a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, so anyway, we were in Washington D.C. visiting my mom's family and uh, my aunt Claudia, and uh, we're I'm staying at Claudia's uh, apartment in D.C. and um, uh, you know just just hanging out with my cousin Kanita Azulaya, and. Uh, 
we get to go to the set of Murder at 1600 oh. and meet Wesley Snipes. I'm like 11, maybe, I'm guessing. Murder at 1600, does that sound about right? 1992? Something like that. Okay. 11, 12, yeah, somewhere in there. And uh, so I get to go to the set. Yeah, I met Wesley Snipes. He was extremely cordial. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then my Aunt Claudia apparently went to like an after party uh, that Wesley Snipes was at. And my Aunt Claudia came home. And uh, Nick, I hope you and our African-American listeners will forgive me for doing a vague African-American voice uh, <laughs> now. But she came home. She, she went to the party, came home, and talked to me. And she said, Jesse... I hugged Wesley, and then I came home, and woo, panties to the ceiling. <laughs> it was basically all, the greatest thing an adult had ever said to me. Terrifying. I mean, is it sure. terrifying to hear this woman who is essentially your aunt say that when you're 11? Yes. But is it also spectacularly great? Yes. Panties to the ceiling meaning she was so excited she took them off. She ran home to them. masturbate. But um, just um, maybe I'm being too literal. She just launched her underwear straight up because she was straight so... up. She what it's happened is she the hit the bed, tilted backwards, <laughs> legs up, threw it up, it got caught in the ceiling. Thing. Or maybe the oh. power of her orgasm rocketed, shot, rocketed her panties, her off panties off the body. The right, ceiling. just when she was hugging Wesley Snipes <laughs> because he was so ripped. They hit the ground and they, and because they, they bounced were off the yeah. She had sure. flubber panties on and sure. they bounced up. It was a flubber the... panty situation. <laughs> F panty. Clearly a clearly yeah. a flubber panty. Yeah, well, so anyway, that's the that's the time I met Wesley Snipes, and then my aunt said something outrageous. <laughs> she definitely tells it like it is, though. No, she correct. does, I right? She tells it like it is. She tells it like, it, she is. Tells it, like it is. You know, just uh, just yesterday, you were um, uh, you were over at the house, Nick, and uh, you were wearing a Shirley Chisholm for president. Uh, I was, I was. I am very, very confident that my aunt Claudia voted for Shirley Chisholm. <laughs> I'm sure she did. I she don't know who that is. Uh, Shirley Chisholm was the first African American person to see, seek a major party's mm. nomination for president. She ran in '72. She was a congresswoman, wasn't she? From uh, Brooklyn, if I'm yeah. Correct. There's a really good documentary about her uh, that you could uh, access via the internets. Okay. And she was kind of a badass. Yeah, she was serious. Yeah, she didn't take no mess. Gun toting. <laughs> yeah, she was sort sure. of a Yos- she was Medea. She, was, she like a- was like a Yosemite Sam type figure. Sure. Is how I would describe <laughs> remember, her. Do you remember? There's one where Yosemite Sam and Bugs Bunny both ran for mayor of a small uh, western town. Right. Sure. So, and so she had. I mean, well, look. Here's her button the was rootness tootness congresswoman sure. for president. That was her campaign slogan. There are differences. She was African American. He, of course, was an Anglo. Yeah. Sure. Similar mustaches. Um, yeah. yeah. Mustaches were similar in shape, if not in scale. <laughs> um, or color. Uh, hers was she's not a cartoon character. Yeah, it's not ridiculous. It's um, being silly. But they, she but could, they, but she could lift herself off the ground by firing her guns <laughs> into the ground. <laughs> well, they both had stump legs, also. Sure. If you want to take that into account. Anyway, Nick Adams with us. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan, Jesse, go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Nick, repeat Adams. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you here, Nick. It's good to be had. Nick, here. by the way, mm. um, I mentioned, I alluded yeah. in the introduction, Nick is uh, a writer, a staff writer on a network television situation comedy program. That's right. I'm part of the problem. <laughs> it, it's called Perfect Couples. 
Peacup, as I call it. That's what the kids are saying on the street, Peacup. Absolutely. This has been a, this is a very hotly anticipated. It's going to be running between um, Community and The Office mm-hmm. on NBC Thursday nights. Got a nice, cushy time slot. Uh, I believe it's, star- if I'm not mistaken, I'm trying to remember, it stars Thurman Munson. He's, he's one of the principals. Controversial Daily Show contributor, <laughs> Thurman Munson. Is that correct? It's one of, he's one, no, it's a, I think you might be confusing him with Olivia Munn, I think, maybe. Right. No, no. Olivia Munn played catcher for the Yankees in the 70s. You're right. right you're right. You're right. Right. Died, I'm, I'm wrong. Died tragically <laughs> in that plane crash. You're testing the limits of my baseball knowledge. <laughs> okay. Sure. Um, uh, so, Nick, uh, we had Jen Kirkman on the show yes. a few weeks back, Co-worker. who was also a writer for this same she show. Uh, Jen Kirkman, premature old lady. Really? I told her on the show, <laughs> no matter what happens between us, whether we stay in touch or not, I'm going to track her down when we're 70-ish, because she's already the funniest old woman I know. <laughs> what, now, what about her sense of humor as old lady It's not even her sense of humor. It's just every... I'll tell you a really quick, funny yes, Jen Kirkman story. Please. We're talking about the, the guy who wrote uh, Lone Star, who created the TV series Lone Star, the canceled Fox series, also wrote uh, the, the script, Mel Gibson the movie, Mel Gibson the, movie the, Beaver. the Beaver. Sure. So we're talking about the fact that, wow, this guy has this hot script, which is now finally getting released, and then he has this show, and Jen Kirkman chimes in, wait, wait, the guy who created OnStar wrote The Beaver? (laughs) (laughs) Every day with one, at least one of those every day. That's great. That's great. It's hilarious. That's my Jen Kirkman. Oh, man. She's Um, good people. It's America, sweetheart. America's in love with Jen Kirkman. why, why, Why wouldn't they be? Uh, so it seems like this this show that you write on uh, uh, it's kind of like a battle of the sexes type show. Is that a good is that a good way to describe? I would describe some it as the a, central a, a, conflict. Yeah, it's a little a little bit of that, but I think it's also um, battle of the the sexes and then battle of the couples. You okay. know, it's that idea of you look at other couples and think they're crazy, and then you realize that yeah, no, you're crazy sure. and everybody's crazy. But you I, got the you got the waitress from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is one of the stars of this program. Mary if I'm not Elizabeth mistaken. Ellis, sure, very very talented lass, very talented and funny lady. Yes, very very talented. Uh, do you feel like uh, do you feel like that a is the is the writing staff kind of equal parts men and women, and do you feel like you're kind of called on for like a dude perspective, or is it is it not? It was gendered that pretty much. balanced, but more guys than girls. But there were one, two, three, four, five, and then we got cut back down to wait. This is really embarrassing. Four, four, okay. four ladies. Um, that's pretty solid though for a network television yeah, yeah, sitcom. Pretty, and, that's and a strong, strong voices and strong opinions. They were no shrinking violets. Okay. these ladies. But I think I think what they were looking for more is just a, a married person perspective, just gotcha. an adult married person perspective. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys on the show, and I wasn't necessarily called them for a dude perspective, but I think they just wanted like a a, a lot of divergent married people perspectives. I think show. you'll find that in the comedy writer community, uh, there may be a certain delayed emotional development in evidence. <laughs> So you're saying comedians and comedy writers tend not to be the most mature group. I'm I'm just suggesting that I think you'll find more of them getting married in their early 40s than in their mid-20s. I I think I must be the exception. Well, I wasn't married in my early 20s, but I've been with my wife since I was 22. So I'm sort of like an old married person in a younger person's body. 
if that makes any sense. I think that was. But isn't early marriage a sign of maturity? Do you think? Do you think the people who that's do get I'm married say, at twenty-two, twenty-three, do you think that's necessarily you know what I a think mature it, decision all the time? I think it's, no, but I think that I, what I'm trying to say is, in a lot of the people that I know sure. uh, in the comedy world, mm-hmm. uh, in, I will grant them there are many wonderful qualities, uh, but it, especially among the guys. I would not describe a lot of them at age 26 as marriageable. Sure, totally. Right. I would agree with that. You know what I mean? They're, they're definitely, there's a lot of 26-year-old guys in the comedy community who are still working on 21-year-old guy skills. Could you say that about 26-year-olds in general, though? I think it's extra think in it's the comedy a- world. I definitely think it's extra in comedy world. I, mean, I think you could certainly say that about a lot of guys. Right, right. There's no doubt about that. And a lot of women, for that matter. True. But I think in comedy world, you get a lot of you get a lot of twenty six year olds that are, uh, you know, still but working on making stuff. making a hand gesture, yeah. <laughs> honing down. I their don't know life how skills. how familiar you are with radio, but that doesn't really translate. Yeah. Hand gesture means honing their life skills. <laughs> sure. But but also in defense of that, if you're if you're twenty six and you are pursuing comedy writing or comedy. Chances are you may not be the most financially stable individual in the sure. world. Chances are your living situation may not lend itself towards uh, stability or marriage. And uh, the ladies don't tend to gravitate toward those type yeah. of fellas. They like, the, they like the fellas that own a vacuum. Yeah, yeah. That's why I think it's best to meet someone when you're 21 or 22. When no one has a vacuum. No one has anything. <laughs> they don't, when I met my wife, I had, I think, like one, literally one pot. Like I had one <laughs> tiny pot. That I cooked ramen noodles. I was going to say a ramen-sized pot. Yeah, ramen-sized. Perfect for ramen, but for anything else. (laughs) That's just what it says on the package. Yeah, perfect for ramen. And they they actually, they sell it in the video game section at Target. 99 cent (laughs) store. You can buy like a dozen of them for 99 cents. Okay, so so a listener called in. Yes. um, And said that he had a momentous occasion that was taking place in the future for him and the present for us. Um, and this momentous occasion uh, was when we finally got around to talking about Bad Lieutenant Port of Call New Orleans. So I want to take this opportunity to talk a little bit sure. about Bad we've Lieutenant been, Port been, of Call New Orleans. We've been teasing it mercilessly. Uh, for weeks. Yes. Uh, maybe a month at this point. Uh, sure. And by teasing it mercilessly, uh, mercilessly, I think we mean... Genuinely thinking that we're going to talk about it, but then realizing that our show is already way too long and we forgot to talk about it. Sure. Um, it's an evergreen topic. That's if, one of those classic movies. <laughs> this is something that everyone can relate sure, to. Sure, sure. This marginal, yeah, marginal gather, film. Gather, gather, grandma around the, uh, around the podcast. I uh, Okay, so for people who don't know what Bad Lieutenant Port of Call New Orleans is, people may be familiar with the Abel Ferrara film Bad Lieutenant. Um, what happened is apparently a, one of the producers of Bad Lieutenant owns the rights to the idea of Bad Lieutenant. <laughs> sure. Um, if it's look, if it's a rear admiral, a Shitty, bad rear admiral, that's anybody's up game. For, up for grabs. That yeah, is public that domain. <laughs> even, that is like Camp Town races. <laughs> even if it's an, even if you, even if you said you do have to pay him royalties if you set it in London and it's bad lieutenant. Oh yeah, that is does fall under. There's been some lower court decisions on this matter. Sure. Hasn't made it all the way up to this. It's sort of like Will I Am. Like if you make that movie, you have to give him like in parentheses. He has to get a credit. Right, exactly. Wait, what? Like I Will I Am when he does a shitty song, 
and then whoever he sampled gets, you know, the oh, songwriting okay. credit. Not yeah, just yeah, Will yeah. I Am, but sure. any puffy. Sure. Primarily know. Will I Am. Yeah, he pretty much does all the bad sampling. Okay. Nowadays. Rap expert Nick Adams. Oh, sure. boy. 37-year-old <laughs> rap expert. So, um, basically, the guy does not own the rights to the script okay. or the story uh-huh. of Bad Lieutenant. He just owns the rights to Bad Lieutenant. Yeah. The idea of a lieutenant to, Those bad. two words coupled with a film. some sort of... A what if there were project. a movie about a, a cop whose last name was Bad and it was called Lieutenant Bad? Does <laughs> that think, guy have... Oh, yeah. I think that belongs to Damon Wayans. <laughs> <laughs> Damon Wayans is working on that. It actually belongs to Keenan and Keenan is developing it It's a vehicle for the younger for, one, yeah. the son. This is, this is just coming off all that, those warm feelings from major pain, right? <laughs> right. This is like exactly. you're coasting off that... Yeah. So um so this guy decides he like looks at his portfolio and says what can I do with Bad Lieutenant? Well, I can make a new Bad Lieutenant movie. It can't be a remake of the original Bad Lieutenant movie, but it can have Bad Lieutenant in the title. Um it just sort of like Death Race 2 or was it what was that that you went to the yes, other day? Yes, Death Race 2. Like Death Race 2, you know, he he has the rights to make a sequel, but it can't have anything to do with the original one. Sure. It's a reboot. It's a reboot, it, it, yeah, a, but a complete reboot. And so that's all fine and good. It sounds like that, you know, there was that Scarface 2 a couple years ago. Was there ago. a Scarface 2? I think there was a Scarface wow. 2. There, was it a... Maybe I'm thinking of something else. There was something with, I, you know what, it, 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 it was... There was a Carlito's Way There was Carlito's a Carlito's Way 2, yeah, That's yeah. what I was also thinking of. Also a Boondock of. Saints 2. Yes. <laughs> Carlito's Way 2, I think, maybe it had Luis Guzman in it or something. There was someone right. that was sure. credible. Every third movie has Luis Guzman in it. Sure, too. and why not? Why not? If absolutely. I made a movie, fucking Luis Guzman's yeah, in absolutely. it. Absolutely. If it's about Amish people, just throw Luis in he's there. Pr- he's, he's like pr- one of those guys who, like, is... Is I'm sure just like a casting director's dream because he makes every movie better, yes. but he's probably so easy to get. Like yeah. it's probably <laughs> like so not hard to get Luis Man, Guzman. I'll tell to you do when I interviewed Luis Guzman for The Sound of Young America, it was over the phone. He was in uh, his home state of Vermont. Or Vermont. Maine? Vermont. Yeah, that. he lives in very rural Vermont. Uh, he had to drive to get to a place that had a public radio station where we could have him go into a studio. He had to drive an hour and a half, Jesus. just to get to a small town in Vermont. It wasn't to get to Montpelier or whatever the I don't know what <laughs> the, the bustling capital. metropolis of Montpelier. Yeah. And um, so anyway, after I talked to him, uh, I talked to him for like half an hour, and then he just wanted to keep talking with me. Um, and he told me how much fun he had talking to me. And basically what I learned is Luis Guzman in real life is exactly like Luis Guzman in a movie and just as fantastic. Sure. I believe it. I well, believe Lu- it. Didn't you work on the Fox lot when Luis Guzman had a Fox show and yeah, you always wanted he, to try and get into their ultimate Frisbee game or something? Yeah, no, the uh, <laughs> the staff of the Luis Guzman show uh, would always have these kind of games of touch football out in the parking <laughs> lot. Uh, Luis Guzman show uh, was show ran by these two guys who wrote on this really kind of weird, funny MTV cartoon called Clone High. Uh, where the clones of a lot of famous historical figures all go to high school mm-hmm. together. Anyway, so that was like around the time that I just like wanted a writer of a TV show to talk to me and just tell me what the fuck to do. 
And uh, you thought you could leverage your football skills. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, hey, skills. I mean, if there's one thing, if there's a bit, if there's a way to to to, to squeeze in here, once these guys see what a they tight, need a tight, tight end, tight spiral, I can yeah, toss. Yeah, right. They'll it's the surely... old Hollywood boys network of touch football. Yeah. Once they see how I run a post, then they'll say, hey, kid, why don't you get us some lattes? Mm. And then boom, fame and fortune. Mm. Uh, and that happened too. That exact thing happened. <laughs> yeah. It didn't. That's why you're so famous now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I just piggybacked on that. We're both, we've both essentially become major stars from, from that. From that one game of touch football. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I never really saw Luis Guzman while, while uh, that was happening, but I just, I kind of, uh, I kind of creepily made excuses to walk by the writer's bungalow and just I, like, in asked case. their assistant a couple of times if anybody wanted to talk to an intern and it never happened so the end so anyway they went on to make the cloudy with a chance of meatball movie <laughs> meatballs movie that was pretty good so the end the um th- back to bad lieutenant port of call sure. new orleans so this do producer, you want to talk more about cloudy with a chance of meatballs <laughs> the producer owns um, the producer owns the rights to this thing. He gets a script written. Uh, the script is um, the script is in many ways uh, uh, what you would expect from a reboot of Bad Lieutenant. It's have a, either of you seen the original? No, I, I, have, I have not I've, seen I've, the original. You have? Yeah. yeah. What's it? What's it? What's it like? Is it a quality movie? Is it uh, fun it's, to watch? It's a. I mean, it's it's a dark. Good, sort of gritty. It's Harvey Keitel, if you like that sort of thing. Oh, sure. Is it late 70s? Maybe early 80s. Okay. I think early yeah. 80s. Sounds yeah. more. All right. It's been years since I saw okay. it, but I remember thinking That's, that's enough. I think that's for the, for the purpose of this discussion. Um, and, you know, it's, it's the, something like what you would expect from a moderately seedy version of that, this script. But where it gets good is then this producer happened to be friends with legendary German-American film director <laughs> Werner Herzog. Now, you can't go wrong if you're friends with Werner Herzog. Yeah, you're if doing you... something right. And he calls Werner Herzog. You've as made I some good decisions in your a, life. As I heard Werner Herzog describe it in what I think we can all agree is probably the greatest ever episode of The Treatment with Elvis Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. This is a, this is a, a cool a public radio show that you can podcast. And I would recommend... Before and after watching Bad Lieutenant Port of Call New Orleans, listening to this interview because yeah. it will make the movie uh, enjoyable. So much more magic. That's a good way to describe the treatment and shitty movies. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it's that good of a show that even a shitty movie, you're like, oh, I kind of respect this person, even though they made this ridiculous movie. Yeah, oh yeah, sure. I wouldn't saw the Fantastic Four movie after that guy. <laughs> oh, that wow. didn't work for Fantastic Four. That was too shitty. That not even, uh, not even Elvis, Elvis is Mitchell good. Could, he's not could that make good. me believe that there are themes in that movie. Jessica Alba's not blonde. What? The one thing I don't <laughs> recommend that you listen to is the creator of Weeds. Genji Cohen oh, yeah, on uh, Elvis Mitchell. You, she'll just make you want to punch her in the f- nose. Sure. Um, so anyway, I'm, we're going to step aside from that issue. So, uh, so he's asked Werner Herzog. Tiny Furniture Lady also too. Don't listen to that. Asks Werner Herzog. Yeah, worst movie in history. Yeah. Asks <laughs> Werner Herzog to direct this film, and uh, Werner Herzog agrees. And Werner Herzog calls Nicolas Cage. Sure. He happens to have, he, as he presented it, had a long sort of on and off telephone relationship with Nicolas Cage where yeah, they yeah. always discussed what they would do if they did a movie together. And Werner Herzog, because he's Werner Herzog, had the chutzpah to call a film star, Nicolas Cage, albeit famous eccentric film star, mm-hmm. but film star nonetheless, and say, hey, 
I'm doing what will obviously be basically a direct-to-DVD <laughs> reboot of Bad Lieutenant that only came about because some producer happened to own the words Bad Lieutenant. Would you like to be the star of it, the titular Bad Lieutenant? And Nicolas Cage, because he wanted to work with Werner Herzog, agreed. Yeah. And the result is, how would you even describe what it is? Yeah, it, it, it is. It is It is just kind of like, it is just a... It is just kind of a seedy exploitation movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the quality of the story and stuff is <laughs> is that of a direct-to-DVD sequel. But with just some crazy, bizarre filmmaking touches and Nicolas Cage acting as Nicolas Cagey as he's ever acted <laughs> in anything before... Uh, and also just some weird turns by like Jennifer Coolidge and uh, the girl who was the lead from The Craft, also kind of giving these weird. Robin Tunney, I think. Is, uh, is maybe, don't know. That's not the evil lead from The Craft. Not I the would. That's Faruza Balk. I'm thinking of Faruza Balk. I think. Right. Anyways, and and it's uh, it's. It, it's it's hilarious and baffling and oh, oh and Eva Mendez is also kind of yeah. fun to look at because she's spectacularly, spectacularly good looking. Beautiful. This, this brings to the, my my main issue with the movie. The two things that it set off in my mind was there there are two main questions. One, how does Nicolas Cage choose movies? Is it one of those well, Dungeons he's... and Dragons dies that he just rolls and if it lands on twelve, I do this movie? Well, here's the thing, and I think that that is something that everyone asks him. I mean, I think we could, we've all maybe seen the trailer for Season of the Witch at this point and gone, what the fuck? Uh, I, he's in, like, tax trouble. Right, right. And I think he has to be constantly making movies because he bought a $20,000 dinosaur skeleton, I was going to say. He, but he, has a, he owns a yes, castle. Yeah. Also dinosaur bones. He owns every <laughs> Spider-Man or something, too. Yeah, yeah. So he, I think he's just been bad with his money. So these things that you're like, oh, well, why would a major movie star do them? Why is Nicolas Cage doing them? I think it's for money reasons. But Can maybe we... he just also loves... Being crazy in movies. Here's here's what's amazing. Here's what struck me about the film that I feel like maybe you left out of your description just sure. now, which is in addition to, and we'll get to the filmmaking flourishes of Bad Lieutenant Port sure. of Call New Orleans because they they merit significant discussion. But in addition to that, I think Herzog brings to this film a kind of a, a kind of a, a kind of presentness. And kind of emotional currency that I found really upsetting because it's the film, the shit that's going down in the film is absurd. Sure. And everyone is acting absurd. Mm -hmm. But the film is not, it's not crazy. It doesn't, it's not crazy in the sense that it doesn't know what's going on. Or that it's lampooning itself. Yeah, no, and yeah, yeah and that's that's kind of the when you hear it described, you're like, oh, this is like a this is a farce. No, it's, it's not a, a goof. Snakes They're, on a plane yeah, thing. Yeah. No, it's like a it's you know. But it's also not. I mean, like, I want to be clear. It's not so bad. It's good. Sure. No, no, yeah. And it's also not good. Self-aware <laughs> about being bad and a joke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it is operatic, but it's weirdly, it's just a weird combination of that operaticness with the kind of, with the kind of, uh, a, a kind of crackling presence and intensity that I found very upsetting. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, like I expected it to just be ridiculous. Yeah. It's so like that I could laugh watch, at it. But like I found myself watch, unable to laugh at it. Like when you watch Showgirls, you're yes. like Showgirl. Like a lot of upsetting things happen in Showgirls, <laughs> but because because it's, you know you're aware that it's supposed to be you know bad or or bad good or something yeah, like yeah. that. It it really like it's 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 hard to let it affect you. But yeah, I think Bad Lieutenant. Has some of those showgirls qualities, but no Robert Davi. Like for you instance, have to have Robert Davi in your movie for it to be bad <laughs> and good. So that, bad that it's good. You can't not also, have Robert Davi in the movie and because expect people I, to get that. I think I think what it is is that Werner Hertz, like no one has control over the idea of pitching towards madness. Yeah, like Werner Herzog does. Sure, and that's why listening to this treatment interview is such an essential part of watching this movie. I might yeah. say don't even go near the movie until you've listened to it because like yeah it seems like i've listened to it three times by the way sure uh he it seemed like he's like he really seemed like he was having fun with this and him and cage were like this is fun like this is fun and we want it to be as crazy as possible and it's so like I don't know. That's, I think but, that's so but I think Werner. I think what it is is that Werner Herzog's idea of fun right. includes like sickening emotional intensity. Sure. Like Werner Herzog, he, his idea of something that's worth doing is something that will like shake you up. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that is an element of this film. Despite the fact that these things that should be like that should be like something happening because the script of the film is essentially the script of uh, like a like a you know, it's like a Showtime movie. Sure. You know, late night movie level content. Yeah. Like it's basically just, you know, like, oh, then there's some prostitute. His girlfriend's a prostitute and everyone's addicted to drugs and blah, 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 blah. Uh, Nick, now you said you didn't make it all the way through the movie, right? <laughs> I, well, I, At I, what point did you turn it off? I, I approached it, I think, the same way Jesse did, and I thought this will be a goof. I'll watch this movie and get a laugh at how crazy it is. And for me, it wasn't even... It's like you have to take it to such the nth degree and laugh at yourself in order for it to be fun in that way. And like you said, the movie is taking itself seriously. And at a certain point, I just thought well, I could just be watching something good. So... <laughs> I think, you know, when I was watching it, I wondered if I wasn't. And I I haven't, you know, I've self-consciously not talked about the new sincerity in a long time uh, just because I got tired of people asking me about it. Sure. But I wondered if it wasn't like the dark, evil side of the new sincerity. Yeah, no. And that's I think that's a great way. That's a, that's a great description of it. And I think that's that's totally perfect as it is like. Yeah, if you are a person who thinks, you know, outrageously upsetting things are fun and funny, then yeah, this is it. Like, yeah. Well, then I would I would rather 500 movies like Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans exist than 500 Twilights. Like, I <laughs> sure. mean, I would much rather see that movie at the multiplex every Saturday than another shitty, cynical sequel just totally designed to. I mean, suck I kind of feel like I, I kind of feel like if you, I, I definitely agree. That if you're like if you're the kind of person that just really likes amusing that it really finds horrible things amusing, mm-hmm. you'll think this movie's really funny. I think that's true. But I also think that Herzog, both Herzog and Cage succeeded, probably succeeded in doing what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And they just have different values. 
Okay, sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that that Herzog, I really got the feeling that it was the movie that he wanted to make, and part of the quality of it was like, this is like a, a grotesque fever dream. Yeah. And he and him setting it, because Herzog was the one who, as if I remember correctly, who decided that it should be set in New Orleans. Like, it was sort of a generic... Wasn't a big part of setting it in New Orleans because tax they could get, a, ta- they could get yeah. a tax break for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. But, but I mean... So there's this weird practicalness to the whole thing, And then too, they threw right? a anyway. Katrina element Well, in Herzog there. is really proud of his practicalness. I mean, he's really proud of like how he brings all every he, movie a million dollars under he says budget. in the interview, it's, 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 and it's, it's one of the best things ever said. He's like, I brought the movie in for two weeks, two weeks early and a million dollars under budget. Maybe. After that point, the producers wanted to marry me. <laughs> maybe, maybe take the two weeks. Yeah, sure. <laughs> say that. Do, maybe uh... take. You have two. If someone gives you, uh, let's say, someone contracts you to do a deck. Yeah. To build a deck, and they say, "Look, you got you got two weeks to build this deck," and uh, here's twenty grand. I don't know how much it costs to build a deck. You finish the deck. You have four days. And then and the eight people grand come left. out, and they say, "Wait a minute, this deck is made out of alligators." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe take a couple of days and just. Polish the deck. Like, make sure all the screws are tight. Make sure everything's in place. Just take the time. There's a there's these moments in the film that Herzog kind of laughs about with Elvis Mitchell in the interview mm-hmm. that are absolutely a thousand percent Werner Herzogian that he just sort of decided to put in the movie. And you can just you can just yeah, tell. Yeah, I think he mounts a camera on an iguana at some point. Yeah. Or there's there's an iguana and and there's a big scene that is unrelated to the story that is shot from the iguana's point of view. Yeah, there's a there's a there's an iguana POV shot. There's um there's a lot of alligator related stuff or crocodile related stuff. Sure. Um there's like a whole scene where where Nicolas Cage goes out to like meet with an old friend from the highway patrol and and the highway patrol is doing some kind of investigation of a crocodile. A dead crocodile. Gators. They're gators. Oh, gators. it's a car accident caused by an alligator on the road. Yeah, and that's and the and there's just way too much attention paid to the alligator, not in the dialogue, but sure. in the way that the scene is <laughs> sure. shot. Like the alligators, like the, this dead alligators, this creepy looming presence. This movie's ridiculous. Also, a mob boss gets shot, and Nicolas Cage, in some sort of weird drug haze, says, "Look, his soul is dancing." And no one else in the room sees it, but then it cuts to a crazy breakdance scene of the dead mafia boss. He's like a fat ma- oh, Italian guy. Now I have to does watch like the a crazy, movie. He does it, a crazy breakdance. Now I have to watch the entire movie. There's yeah, a, that's later on. Two when, classical music. When, 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 as Nick Cage is even more batshit. And then it kind of has a happy ending, I it think. Has a, it has a, just a, a comically happy ending where a line of people... Like, Nicolas Cage has a bunch of problems in this movie. One, you know, there's this case that he can't crack, and uh, uh, his bookie is always on his back. I guess he's making a lot of bad bets and trading, like, drugs for his gambling debts and stuff. And there's this part where he's sitting at his desk in the police precinct, and one by one, people, like, as if they were in single file, a single-file line, come by and tell them him that his problems have been solved in all these areas like it's and i'm like oh this has to be a weird drug hallucination no it was real but do you they i I kind of feel like they i kind of feel like that is what Werner herzog wants from you yeah like i just feel like he chose it sure no no absolutely and and it doesn't it doesn't feel like this is a shitty movie that they didn't have enough time it does everything feels deliberate (laughs) And like, and it doesn't like. What's amazing about it is that you feel like Werner Herzog like 
he wanted it to have that quality, but only because he knew that if it was like that, it would upset you and confuse you more. Like (laughs) it would thrust you more, not because in his world of the film, this is, uh, you know, it's all, um, not because in his conception, the whole like last 10 or 15 minutes is like a crazy drug dream or something and didn't really happen, which is sort of how you would think that he would play that. Yeah. Or because it's making fun of it. It's because he thinks that the crazy world of this film is best furthered sure. by everything resolving. Yeah, through no, through no, uh, through. No, well, I guess, I guess Nicholas Cage kind of solves the crime. I he guess he sort of it. solves the crime, although at one point he almost murders an elderly woman. Sure, but yeah, it, it seems like it is kind of that '70s uh, uh, idea of filmmaking. Like, let's try and upset and confuse right, right. and make squirm. The it's audience. movies like anyway. Jazz Fusion. It's not sure, supposed yeah. to it's feel the, good. It's the supposed Ornette to be challenging. Coleman, the Ornette Coleman <laughs> it's of It's like uh, late movies. Miles Davis. Sure. I um I I want to say one thing about Nicolas Cage in the movie. Sure. I thought he was great. Sure. He's uh, he's so fun to watch. And that scene where he accosts the old lady and he reveals himself because he's hiding behind the door and also shaving for some reason <laughs> uh, is is such a. Uh, and it's this—it's a ridiculous way, but I don't know. It is. It's 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 compelling, and it's I've, like it's compelling, and it's also. I mean, what amazed me about it was his. <sighs> None of it, even the things that were hilarious, weren't hilarious in the sense that they were jokes. Nothing that he did felt like felt to me anyway like he was undercutting what was going on in the film. Or undercutting the reality of of the, or undercutting the tone, he was. It felt grounded, no matter how insane things were happening. Even when he saw the ghost breakdancing, <laughs> like I you gotta see of, the end, Nick. You fucked up. I, I, I definitely There's do. Ghost breakdancing. I, I bought it from no, no, Nicholas Cage, and, and it's amazing to see someone have that like. Sort of like the only part, like someone I could compare it to maybe is like William H. Macy, who you just feel like when you're watching him on screen that he is just present in every millisecond of his screen time, that he's just right there engaged and real and like being. Well, like, only it's that with just apeshit things going on. Well, it's also, it seems like it's. I rewatched uh, There Will Be Blood last night, and yeah. like, I'm like. This Daniel Day-Lewis performance is no less crazy than no. the typical Nicolas Cage performance. Yeah. It just happens to be in a good movie. Yeah, and it's just <laughs> he picks his movies so well, and everything yeah. he does is incredibly cinematic and, and sure. mood and theme and tone and right. just the quality of everything he does. But, he, yeah, he, he immerses himself in the same way. And he Let me ask you this question. Do you think that if before making Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call New Orleans... Uh, Nicholas Cage had taken a few years off to move to Italy <laughs> to and learn to be a to cobbler. Be a cobbler. Yeah. Do you think that would have altered the critical reception of the film, maybe, if not the quality? Maybe don't buy a castle. <laughs> yeah. Maybe don't another... outbid Shia LaBeouf yeah. for a dinosaur skull. Nick Adams, accountant to the stars. <laughs> hey, uh, Cage, I'm going to say don't buy the castle. Sure. That'll I believe be it was Leonardo DiCaprio that he oh, outbid I'm for sorry. the dinosaur. I'm sorry. Hey, c- come on. Get real, I'm man. sorry. Let's get serious yeah, for a second here. I fucked up. What do you what do you got on the dinosaur bones, by the way? That dinosaur skull? I'm thinking about going four twenty. Four fifty? I think I can afford four hundred and fifty bucks for a dinosaur skull. Yeah. A million. Shit. 
I'm going that means you have to do National Treasure three. If you, that's fine. You Na- hey, hey, National <laughs> Treasure three, Ghost Rider two, and <laughs> I don't know something where I'm a wizard. Yeah, I'll the Sorcerer's Apprentice two. Oh, there you oh, go. Yeah. Sure, yeah, Sorcerer's Apprentice two. <laughs> we'll be back in just a second. I'm Jordan Jessica. <laughs> It's Jordan, Jesse, go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. And Nick, repeat Adams. So I had a great idea over the holidays mm-hmm. for a new segment on Jordan, Jesse, go. We've been... Is this that boner patrol thing you've been talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I like called, it already. Somebody called in and they said, um, and, and this we may be playing this call later in the show. I can't mm. remember if I picked it or not. But they said that... Um, uh, they said that I... They were talking with their girlfriend about Jordan Jesse Go, and I think they said the distinguishing characteristic was that host that talks a little bit too much about his dick. Mm. And I want to contend with that. I talk a little bit too much about dicks. I, I don't talk that much that. about my know. dick. Yeah, I would say I would say that that uh, that talk about your dick or any specific dick. Is, no, I talk uh, about the idea light. of dicks yeah, this a is lot. Dicks as a, I as do an talk idea. a lot about dicks. Sure, there's no doubt about that, and I do find it endlessly amusing the idea of doing something normal but your dick is out. Sure, <laughs> there's no doubt about that either, and that's come up on every third Jordan Jesse go since we started doing this thing. At least, um, but I don't talk very much about my dick. It's pretty unremarkable. There's not much to talk about. Okay, I just want to let that be. Go ahead. That's settled. Nick, you look worried. I'm just wondering if someone's dick is going to come out. No. No, right. we wouldn't do that kind of thing. We're classy. We're running a classy so. operation here, a Nick. Dubious. To wit. To wit. A new segment on Jordan Jesse Go. Important information. Mm. Important information. On this segment, a listener will email us a Wikipedia article about something really important that everyone should know about. Uh, and then we discussed the uh, we discussed that article. Okay. Uh, this week, uh, Jess has been kind enough uh, to email us an article. This is a different person than me. I'm not using their mm. last name. I don't know if it's a fella or a lady. Um, but Jess has emailed us uh, some important information: the Dancing Plague of 1518. Mm. This uh, is the novel that Footloose was loosely based on. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> The outbreak, the dancing plague, began in in July 1518 when a woman, Frau Trophia, (laughs) in Strasbourg, France, began to dance fervently in the street. This this lasted somewhere between four and six days. Within a week, 34 others had joined her, and within a month, there were around 400 dancers. Stop, stop, because Werner Herzog is going to hear this program. Yeah. <laughs> and the next thing you know, he's days, gonna be on, 10 days later, he's going to be, be on the phone with Nick Cage. Yeah. I'm, stop. I'm working on a documentary about the timeless battle between man and dance. Uh, I don't want to risk it. Um, within a week, 34 others had joined. Within a month, there were 400 dancers. Some of these people eventually died from heart attack, stroke, or exhaustion. It was not just a. Fu- it was a dancing mania. This was an episode of Happy Days, right? This was. This is yeah. pure madness. Um, there are numerous independent confirmations that it was specifically dancing and not like conniptions. People were not just flailing. It's not seizures. No, they were dancing maniacally, mm. literally maniacally, because it was a mania. Um, and 
The physicians at the time ruled out astrological and supernatural causes, instead announcing that the plague was a natural disease caused by hot blood. First of all, you use the phrase, you use the year 1518 in physicians in the same paragraph, which basically means dudes. Yeah. In 1518, physicians were just dudes. They didn't know shit about shit. Apparently, authorities believed that dancers could only recover if they continuously danced night and day. So they opened two guild halls in a grain market and constructed a large wooden stage for the dancers to dance on. <laughs> was, so they, it, was it thinking that they would just dance it out? Like yeah, they would just they sweat figured, it out? Like just... Yeah, they figured they'd dance it out. <laughs> they essentially had, they essentially had uh, 20-year-old college girls approach to a bad breakup right. to yeah, the dancing radio. Dance they all got into a circle. Sure. Yep. No guys allowed. Yeah, they put on a great. They put on a great song. Um, I, I'm calling bullshit on this whole thing. The authorities paid for musicians to play for the afflicted. Um, yeah, I was gonna add, like. At what point was there music to dance to? Because this is the did you, you know did, the did music exist in 1518. Yeah, well, I was just saying you know it's not like oh well if you were in public and if you're dancing in public maybe it's just like a song that's. You know, it's coming Someone's out in... of Marshalls, and you can <laughs> right, kind of he... hear it from the street. Like, like, where is the music coming from? Right, they just had a constant stream of mandolin players. Yeah, and what is yeah. the famous music? Like, what is the music from? Just Green Sleeves on repeat? Yeah. Is Isn't someone really famous from Strasbourg? Okay, sure, well, sure. anyway, it was part of the Holy Roman Empire, by the way, which is okay. another nice thing about, what, about this whole story. Sure. Um, so there are theories about this. Uh, one of the original theories was that it was caused by uh, St. Anthony's fire, mm. which is also known as ergotism, which is uh, like a fungus that grows on bread and causes madness. Uh, but apparently it also causes difficulty to use your limbs, which is oh. would lead to one to suggest that people would then stop dancing. Um, or so, difficulty meaning you can't control your limbs or you can't get your limbs to move because if you can't control your limbs... They're moving independently of your brain. There you go. Hmm. Um, they said uh, ecstasy, like an ecstatic... Um, and not ecstasy, the drug, oh, but like an ecstatic mania, like uh, sort of like a like like t- speaking in tongues, the equivalent of speaking in tongues or uh, something like that where people get them get themselves worked into a state of frenzy. Uh, or possibly uh, something called MPI, or mass psychogenic illness, um, which are sometimes caused by uh, famines, which there was a famine because of cold winters, hot summers, crop frosts, and, of course, violent hailstorms. Sure. Anyway. (laughs) Which do you guys think it was? (laughs) (laughs) I think this is a new segment on Jordan Jesse Go. Very important information. Is sure. that what I decided to call it? I forget. Yeah, but I think important good. important information is yeah. what we decided to call it. Uh, the Dancing Plague of 1518. Um, if you want to email us some important information, it's jjgo at maximumfun.org. Mm. We'll be back in just a second. La, 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 la. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Nick, repeat Adams. You know, we, we took we took a couple weeks off there for the holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, we enjoyed New Year's and Christmas. Sure. I had a lovely holiday. You, Jordan? Very nice. Mr. Adams? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Hey, nothing better than the holidays, am I right? Yeah. You got that network TV money to spend, too. That's right. But I'm also a, a, 
I've recently impregnated my wife, so oh. I can't get too crazy. Congratulations Thank you very on much. Uh, the sperm. Yeah, you got you got great sperm, Nick. That's pretty good sperm. I've nice always said you got sperm. you got great sperm. Yeah, it's it's fair to midland sperm, I have. <laughs> hey, just admit it, Nick. <laughs> it's pretty... You busted her out with your super sperm. <laughs> oh, excellent! Uh, panties to the ceiling, right? Uh, <laughs> panties, panties to the ceiling, through the ceiling, ah. in my house. Um. So we have a we got a lot of telephone calls. I thought it'd be fun if we did a couple uh, two telephone segments this week. Hey, why How not? How about that? And this one, this is not a momentous occasions. This is just going to be a sort of a catch-all. Oh well, we could talk about another Nicolas Cage movie at length. <laughs> Let's go to the phones. Yeah. Hey, Jay Dago, I'm calling with a momentous occasion of having just been at the best Jay Dago meetup ever with Jesse, and it was amazing. And Hold on. At one point, we were we talked to a guy for a while, and he was great. And then later, we were talking to some other people, and my friend goes, "Hey, by the way, guy is the guy who just got married by Jesse last week." And the girl who's with us goes, "Oh yeah, I'm the girl from the secret sex party. I'm the girlfriend. She's the roommate, and sitting down over there is the boyfriend." And it was just amazing because it was fantastic, and uh, we had a great time. And then I had to leave a little early because I have pneumonia. But I went anyway because of how good it was. It was wonderful. So number one, I will admit that as much as I'd like to take credit yeah. for this meetup, it was your meetup. It was my, yes. The guy made made a mistake at the top. Right. But yes, that was my meetup. And it was, uh, it, it, had, it, had, it had appearances from regular J.J. Go characters. Yeah. I mean, I... It's like when, it's like when you stay at the Disneyland Hotel... And Pinocchio comes over to your table during brunch. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> you're staying in the Disneyland hotel and you wake up and Pinocchio's in your bed. <laughs> yeah. Turn down service. <laughs> Turn down? And his nose gets a little bit longer. <laughs> All I heard was secret sex party in that entire phone. Yeah, That's well, did you did you get to talk to the secret sex party people? Yeah, I talked to I Did you go to, to the secret sex party cuz you were invited to the secret sex party? No, I only went to the uh, I only went to the meetup uh which was a, a sex-free affair but uh but you wouldn't have known. I think we all blew our blew our happiness load. On is account this... of the on account of the dicks that were out. The dicks, yes. Is exactly. this what the Not sing... yours specifically. Right. What? So wait, the single guys these days are turning down opportunities to go to secret sex parties. Yeah, let's be what... clear. They called in to talk to us about secret sex parties and said if Jordan was gonna be in Seattle, he was invited to secret sex parties. And you turned you no go. Well I I didn't like it was one of those. It's one of those things. His dick was out. If it was gonna happen, it would have happened. It's one of those things where uh, you know, it's like your your friend like has a cabin. Let's say. Okay. Your friend has a cabin. Not or... groups of people get together there to fuck. Sure. <laughs> or a jet ski, and he's like, you know, you gotta come out and ride my jet ski sometime. Of course you want to ride the jet sure. ski. Of course you want to ride the jet ski. But then you see your friend. You can't say. Hey, what about the jet ski? When are we going to ride that jet ski? You got to wait for like him to plan it because it's his thing. I don't I, I don't know. You lost me. You have a jet ski? Yeah, if you guys are fucked on a jet ski <laughs> is where I'm going with this. Hi, Jordan Jessica. This is Leslie in Seattle and I'm calling with the topical occasion. I just got out of the movie The Fighter and during the previews there was a trailer for Thor. And uh guy guy behind me said to his friend, Hey, 
I saw Kenneth Branagh's name. I should go see that. So there you go. Here's your answer. Uh, this is uh, something we were talking about on the last show, is why is Kenneth Branagh directing the Thor movie? I'm going to go with money. Uh, well, no, I mean, we know why we know he, why he uh, took, took the yes, job. Yes. Okay, why okay. did he? Why was he asked to direct the Thor movie? Can we? Can we? Before we address that, the fighter, real quick. Yeah. yeah. No more working class Irish Catholic people from Boston. <laughs> stop it, Hollywood. In You're films. Just stop it. Just In stop films. it. Even they all they... can't be, you know, rags to riches, lovable. Like fuck it, stop it. The town is the cutoff. I'm not watching any more of those uh, movies. You know, and I would say if we're gonna if we're gonna if we're gonna ban one Irish Catholic working class movie. From the year, let's. I would. I would say let's keep the fighter. The town the was town. first. The town was first. I'm oh, sorry. this is a chronological. Yes, yeah, purely chronological. I did not enjoy the. T- I kind of liked the town too, but I would say that I, I thought the fighter was a pretty good. movie. I haven't seen it. I have. I have oh, the okay. screener. I'm know? kind of excited to see it because I really like David O. Russell. This is super. It's the most David O. Russell-y, non-David O. Russell movie you'll ever see. Interesting. Does uh, he plays the brother? I'm blanking on his name. Uh. Sure, Terminator. Yeah, Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Go. Does he not take movies unless he can do something drastic to his body? Does he just turn them down? Yeah, I think unless he can. You know fuck what? With his metabolism when I heard way? when I heard Christian Bale on Fresh Air, I don't think I've ever heard someone on public radio come off like more of an asshole. Yeah. Oh, have you uh, uh, also read uh, read his recent Esquire interview too? Where oh yeah. He like gets all up in the interviewer's face. It's like this weird. Yeah. It's like this weird. Frost Nixon duel with no stakes. Is there an easier thing? <laughs> uh, is there an easier thing in the world than being a movie star? Like, I mean, no, 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 no. Yeah, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm, the work. No, I, I agree with you. No, just be nice. Sure. Everyone fucking loves you. Just hey, man, yeah, it was really fun doing this. Just fucking be nice. Jordan, to be fair, sure. I think you said no stakes. Yeah, but. He is the leader of the. Uh, he is the leader of. What were you, what was, what were you trying to do there? No, I was going to say he was the leader no, of the Tories, but then I remembered that their leader is now oh, the Prime Minister of yeah, England. Yeah, yeah. I thought that's a bad example. No, I get it. Sure, then sure. I wanted to go. Then I couldn't remember what the third party was yeah. that that was ruling with the Tories yeah. in England. Okay. Well, there's, <laughs> well, there's the Tories. There's a conservative party, the Tories, and then there's Labour, Labor. and then there's a third one. Uh, the, Gryffindor. The, <laughs> It's Gryffindor. How about this? Can I say? Can I say? Can I say? To be fair, he is governor of Tennessee. Sure. Christian and his Bale. term has yeah, been yeah, yeah. somewhat That's controversial. Fine. That's fine. Okay. Uh, but yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Sure. I mean, also, I would say Christian Bale is one of those actors where if you want to enjoy him, just don't seek out any yeah, interview yeah, material. Yeah. Just like, just assume that he's not being interviewed. Also, one Jason Schwartzman. Just like keep no, away actually, from all interviews. I actually really with like him. interviews with Jason Schwartzman. I, I feel like my interview my hearing interviews with him made me enjoy him did less. you see him did you hear him on the treatment uh that yeah that specifically really I like him on, okay. no, I um, I, 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 I agree to disagree but the, but with christian bale like it, like it's one of those things where if you like i don't like doing interviews here's the thing don't do them yeah just respectfully right. decline i'll I let thought, the I think sometimes it's in your contract that you have to do it, right so you can't do then have a white ron spritzer and uh yeah sure Guy. no i agree live it up for sure here's but back to thor we were I, ultimately i, I just want to say Doing it, being interviewed is not that hard. No, it's not. Absolutely it's not. not. Even if you have to do it all day, like it's annoying. Is it annoying? Yes. Yes. Are people who do interviews insipid? Typically, yes. Yes. Some people are great. Present company excluded. Sure. No, sure. when I when I, when I did I did stuff for the book and I did all these radio interviews and I did like four or five of them, 
in a day, and a lot of them with, were with like drive time, shock DJs. Oh, making friends with black people, yucky yuck. And it was awful. I would get off the phone and like I was an asshole. But you know, the, sure. it's fine. It's fine. It's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Okay. As a guy who has to hang around entertainment reporters as part of his job, yes, they are the worst people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't want to. I don't want you to think this call. We got twenty seconds to listen to this call, and at first you'll think like. Well, this segment is fine, but it's it's not it's not blow. This call is fine. It's not blowing my mind. <laughs> but wait until you, wait until you get to the end, okay? Okay. Hey, Jordan and Jesse, it's Mike. Uh, I'm in in Hawaii instead of Seattle during Jordan's meetup. I just wanted to say maximum fun forever. I couldn't make it because I'm you know <laughs> thousands of miles away from Seattle. Uh, one love to Jordan. One love to Jesse. You guys rock out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, awesome. that rock guy's out. great. Ha- having had the the great uh, fortune to visit Hawaii on uh, a couple of occasions, the fact that he did anything that he was even thinking about, yeah, the meetup on the mainland, that he was doing something that wasn't rum based, right? He is a great <laughs> and amazing supporter of your program. Clearly, yeah. can I maybe it. take this time? Yeah, while we're discussing rocking out, out, out. <laughs> um, You're having another meetup, right? I'm having another meetup. Uh, you know, as uh, someone called said, they had a good time. This guy wished he could have been there when he was in Hawaii. If you're in Chicago. Or anywhere in the Midwest. Or anywhere in the Midwest. I know last week on the show I said it was going to be on the East Coast. I just don't know what a map of America looks like, okay? Yeah. I was impressed that you – I was wrong. That's a pretty epic error. It's America's third largest city. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, But if you're around Chicago, January 7th, uh, I'm getting another meetup. Milwaukee. If you're in Milwaukee, you Gary, should be Indiana. There. Yeah. Gary, Indiana. Gary, Indiana. You can, should uh, be there. Sure. We, there's some Madison, several, Wisconsin. There's boom. You should be there. Several songs we can sing from the Music Man if you show up. <laughs> <laughs> 76 trombones led the big parade. If you're in a Wells Fargo wagon, yeah. you should be there. <laughs> you should get started now. If you're you a librarian yeah. and your name is Marion, sure. you should be there. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, the, all the info is on MaximumFun.org. Uh, I forget the place we're having it. Uh-huh. You know, why'd you boot it up? I should just not, I shouldn't leave that hanging. Yeah, no. we shouldn't leave it hanging. It's, it's a place it's, called Sheffield's. It's in... Is that right? Oh, uh, it's in Chicago, Illinois. Yes. Uh, the great city of Chicago, Illinois. It is on January 7th at Sheffield's. Yes! 7th at Sheffield's uh, starting at 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Is this a sex meetup or is it just a regular meetup? This is a regular meetup. But I think uh, Jordan's made it clear that he's not averse to receiving an invitation, perhaps passed from sweaty palm to sweaty palm. Ladies. Sure. But like a secret code word and an address. If anybody wants to go up to one of the Great Lakes and ride jet skis. <laughs> <laughs> That's mainly what I'm concerned with. In January. With. Yes. Um, okay. Let's go back to the uh, telephones. Hey, Jordan, Jesse Go. This is Heather in South Louisiana. I have to say, Jesse, you are so right about Tatsumas. They are amazing. And um, I've always had neighbors and aunts and uncles who live in the country who have their own Satsuma trees. So pretty sweet getting free Satsumas. Yep. Okay, bye. Satsumas, of course, the Asian character from 16 Candles. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you're thinking of Long Duck Dog. Right, right. Um, I just want to thank everyone who took the time to email me 
I mean, it's one of those things where if you're a broadcaster, as as I I am, um, you sometimes don't realize the extent to which you really touch people's lives. And I have gotten so many emails from people who just people. Do you need a minute? Do you need to? <laughs> Sorry. I just. Um, Getting emotional over fruit? Is that what's happening right now? People who didn't know about Satsumas no. or they knew about Satsumas and they didn't feel comfortable talking about them in public or just being who <laughs> they Because there's were. a stigma. There's a stigma attached to, yeah. to them. Satsuma fans, it gets better. Yeah. Guys. yeah. <laughs> and I have gotten so many emails and Twitter messages of support, literally more than any other thing we've ever talked about on this program. <laughs> Literally, I've literally received dozens. I've received letters Wow! in the mail. Um, and I just want to thank all those people. You really make me feel like the work that I do here is important. And for those of you out there who are still eating Tangelos or Navel Oranges, um, don't worry. It gets better. It gets better. It's it gets better. Do you still have any, any of these? Uh, yeah, oh, there's Satsumas here. You can have one on All your right, way out. I'll, I'll be absconding with Satsumas. Hey, Jordan, just go. This is Evan from Indiana, and I have a question for each of you. First off, Jesse, I'm 19, and I'm a male, straight male, and I, I wear uh, what you would refer to as skinny jeans. And I, I need to know what is the proper age to stop wearing those, because I know you're vehemently against them, but I, I just I need to know where to draw the line. And Jordan, what are some uh, NES and Super NES games you can recommend to me? I probably have similar taste to what you have mm. uh, when it comes to video games, but I, I'm just not sure what to get. Uh, thanks, guys. Bye. Each question in its turn. Sure. Now. Uh, so Jordan, <laughs> Nick has some strong opinions about the first question. Now, immediately. Um, 501 it up, my friend. I think that it depends on a couple of factors. I'm inclined to just agree with Nick, but there are certain exceptions I'm willing to make. Do you, are you on a skateboard right now? (laughs) Are you very skinny? If you're very skinny and you're punk rock. You're totally punk rock. Sure. Totally. You can't half-ass it. Then you can go as far as, I would say, the absolute last moment when I think it's appropriate, even if you're really skinny and totally punk rock, unless you're fronting a band, I would say... Or working at Amoeba. Working yeah, at Amoeba. Sure. Where's 20... he calling from? Do they have an Amoeba? At... Where is he going? Did he say? I don't know where Indiana? he's Indiana? Something like that. There's only three, so... Okay. Yeah. Probably not. He's probably calling oh, Indiana, from Berkeley or Hate Street, Berkeley. right? Indiana right. probably hasn't. Um, anyway. He, 24. I think 24 is the hard cutoff mm. after which no one who isn't the front I man thought you were, band, I, that's, I, that's generous. I thought you were going to go see Even bass players well, have that's to what I'm saying. get it together. I, I think uh, if, you're, if, you're not, uh, if you're not really skinny, mm. the cutoff is 18. Sure. Um, if you are not really skinny and totally punk rock, I would say the cutoff is 21. Okay. But um, if you're assuming he's very skinny and punk rock, you're saying he can go to 24. Right. Okay. If he's at community college studying architecture, <laughs> he can't be wearing those jeans, is what you're saying. I'm saying, okay. And I also want to add that if you are overweight at all. Take a off. No, you should not, no matter what your age is. Um, and I mean that, I mean, look, I wouldn't call myself fat, 
but I'm probably 10 pounds overweight. The Look term at, you're looking for is American. Yeah. Mm. If you're a normal American person, <laughs> yeah. you should really be underweight. And if you need an if you need an alternative, go get yourself a nice five fourteen. You don't look if you're if you're uh, if you're a big enough man if you got a if you got a meaty thigh you, you can pull off a five hundred one effectively then go for it five hundred one is an excellent gene if you're looking for something that's a little bit slimmer uh, but not embarrassing I recommend a five fourteen slim straight hmm. get the rigid get the rigid wash it's not raw but uh, it's it's worthwhile. Jordan Super Nintendo games. Yeah, I'm wondering why this guy wants recommendations for Nintendo and Super Nintendo games. <laughs> I assume games. that there had been prior shows in which you discussed Super Nintendo games. Uh, oh, no, certainly. I mean, I'm a good person to ask about that. I'm just wondering why at this at this juncture... Why is he I, he's going backwards yeah, in the video game Yeah, technology? I don't know if he, if he had some... He had, he's been eBaying old systems. I mean, I, I can get behind that. Or you know, I guess a lot of systems have download services. Yeah, you got the Wii, emulators. He could probably download some of these things. Uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, I mean, let's start with... Uh, baseball stars. Certainly baseball stars. Little we League World Series. For NES? Yeah. Well, I've never played Little, Little League, League World, World Series. Series. What's, right. Now, what does, that, what does that have on a baseball stars, a baseball simulator 1000? Uh, it's just another baseball game. Okay, great. <laughs> but it's great because... RBI baseball. Every, every team has, like, one kid, you know, like the Chinese team or the Taipei team. There's one kid that you just can't pitch to. If it crosses the plate... He'll hit it a thousand feet. It's just like every team has one guy like that. Sounds like a great game, Nick. I'm glad you're recommending it. It sounds fantastic. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I might say for the NES. Yeah. uh, The Super Famicom. The Super Famicom. If wait, no, the Famicom, the standard Famicom. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, I like the Mega Man games. If you like action games, two and three, I think, are the best of the bunch. Uh, Six has its charms. It's a little harder to find, but if you're downloading things, I'm sure that's it'll be readily available. Uh, Castlevania 3, I think, is a spectacular game. These are both side-scrolling action games. Uh, um, let's see. Uh, Final Fantasy 3, if you want a role-playing game. Uh, this all is NES stuff. Uh, for Super NES, I think Zelda 3 is one of the best video games of all time. That's a link to the past. I think essential playing, if you're interested in, in, in the world of Zelda. Uh, and yeah, just video games in general. It's one of the best video games of all time. Zelda 3... Uh, also, you maybe want to get eh, along those same lines. You want to get a Super Castlevania, uh, not an incredibly uh, out of the box Castlevania adventure, but a but a very good one. Can I suggest a game for the NES? You may, please. Avoid the Noid. Yeah, sure. Anything that had a fast food tie-in. We're talking MC Kids. Uh, cool Spot. <laughs> ah, the all... Seven Up game. Yeah, there's a sure the Seven Up branded game. Yeah. Uh, also, any any of the Final Fantasies for the Super Nintendo are uh, are very good. Um, those are a ton of fun. Uh, yeah, there you go. Mario Kart. Boom. Super Nintendo. First mm. appearance of Mario Kart. Oh, is that what this? Your yeah. Mario Kart's really fun. Yeah, Mario Kart's really fun. And then uh, maybe Punch-Out and Super Punch-Out. Hey, you know what's a fun game for the Nintendo that hmm. I can recommend? What? Uh, RC Pro-Am 2. Oh, yeah? Oh, that's, that's a really fun game. I've never played RC Pro-Am 2. I've played one. Well, it's even better. It's it's very the differences are modest. Is there a new offensive weapon? There's yeah. There's like a few extra kinds of tires and slightly improved graphics, but they don't mess up anything. Hey, great Contra. Oh yeah, try Contra. I, yeah, I think if you're gonna get a Contra adventure, you're gonna want to get Contra Three: The Alien Wars oh, for okay. Super Nintendo. That maybe is the definitive <laughs> I, Contra I, adventure. I spoke too soon. I would say if you're gonna get a Contra adventure, if you're gonna get a Contra, if you're gonna go back to video games from two decades ago, when sure, they were kind of crappy. Don't bother with Super C. 
Don't. There's a. There, I think there is something called Contra Adventure too. Also, don't play that. That's no good. We'll Contra be back. Three, in, the Alien Wars. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Nick. Repeat, Adams. Before we get to the momentous occasions, let's uh, let's check in with a moment of shame. Hey, Jordan, Jesse Go. It's Patrick Ford from Omaha. Uh, I was just feeling a little bummed out this week. I, I have a moment of shame for you. Uh, I was feeling bummed out this week, and I was drinking a beer in bed, and I was reading through the old notes that my girlfriend wrote me in high school. And uh, while I was reading them, I put my beer down on my uh, side table wrong, and it fell on top of my bed. And so most of a beer spilled out onto my bed and my bedclothes. And uh, so now I have to sleep on the couch because uh, my bed uh, just smells like beer. Uh, so that made like a fairly un- unhappy day, just that much more unhappy. Uh, but I thought you guys might get a kick out of it. Have a good one. Bye. We need more listeners like this. Yeah. That, that slamming sound you heard right at the end of that voicemail was the medicine cabinet closing. <laughs> and the next sound, like if we could continue that, the next sound would have been a pill bottle opening and then just a thud of like about 180 pounds yeah. hitting the floor. That I, was the saddest thing I've ever heard. I really like a listener who's got the guts to call in and let us know that he was sitting on his bed reading love notes from his ex-girlfriend. How? While getting drunk alone from high school. Did he say high from school? From high yeah. school. He said high school. Because now it's a sliding scale. If this guy's 22... It's a little right. sad-ish. If this guy's 32, maybe. Yeah. Also, it depends if his dick's out. If his dick's yeah. out, it's just a party. Sure. Here's here's something magical, though. This is a two-parter. Hey, Jordan, Jesse Go. It's Patrick Foy again. Uh, I just now spilled beer on my couch, too. <laughs> so I guess I'm sleeping on the floor tonight. Hopefully I don't spill beer on my carpet. Bye. Uh, if, if you're listening to if you're reading old love letters from your high school girlfriend and you spill beer in your bed night's over that's the sign yeah don't you, don't try and keep that party going <laughs> the night is over you turn off the lights yeah tomorrow will be a better day this guy he tried to power through no. it <laughs> nick as you know when something momentous happens to our listeners we ask that they give us a call at 206-984-4-FUN uh, to join us, in, to to share their moment with us for a segment called Momentous Occasions. Uh, we got, I, I narrowed it down to just a couple. We had a lot of great Momentous Occasions, but we're, we're, we've been going so long, and, you know, there were so many. I just narrowed it down to a tight three. Hi, Jordan. Hi, Jesse. Hi, guest. Uh, this is Phil from Brooklyn. Um, I am just getting back from a friend's New Year's party. Uh, Happy New Year's, by the way. Um and, well, it turns out that those were pot brownies. <laughs> I had an attitude towards drugs very similar to Jesse's, so uh, this is my first time being high. Um, I'm high right now. Uh, I know you like people to call while it's happening, so <laughs> I thought I would call you guys. Uh, so, wish me luck. Uh, bye. Wow. Ah! He's been dosed. That guy got dosed. Huh. Yeah, I mean, Nick, I think you probably have more experience with edibles here than anybody. Nick, <laughs> you're an enthusiastic marijuana I user. Am. I any, am. I uh, take the pot. Any tips for uh, for if you find yourself accidentally dosed? You're the person present most likely to wear a t-shirt with a pot leaf on I it. I would never wear a t-shirt with a pot leaf on it. I would wear like a button, you know, like a Prop 19 sure. button or something like that. You would go to a rally in a doctor's coat with a giant marijuana leaf painted uh, on the I back, I do though. have a dashiki. 
Kiki. <laughs> now is the perfect time to watch Bad Lieutenant Port of Call New Orleans. Do you have Netflix? Yeah. Dude, he's gonna, if you watch that movie, he would get so, his mind would be so fucked up. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's a perfect time. Maybe have a cocktail. The first time he's ever been high, he's gonna, he's gonna watch that nightmare of a movie. Just don't, just relax. Don't call the cops. That don't movie that freaked person. me out, and I'm not even, I was not high. That's what I'm saying. He's got to get himself to a streaming device. Yeah. Maybe you a Roku box. I am a Roku owner. Sure. Do you have Do you have a Blu-ray player yeah. with wireless? Get on it. Yeah. I sometimes wonder if I if I might ever one day eat a pot brownie. Why? Hmm. Why wouldn't I? Right? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't I? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, because you've uh, dedicated. Because I never have. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, but I, it's not like I've. Do, I, it's not like I've dedicated my whole life to not doing it because I'm morally opposed. Sure. Why not just smoke pot then? I don't. I've never really smoked anything. I think the smoking would be so annoying to me. You couldn't enjoy it. That I wouldn't okay. be able to. Yeah. You could also uh, vaporize. Yeah. Or are you with the water vapor? No, I, water vapor but, might work. Sure, sure, water vapor might I, work. I'm shocked that someone who is as much of a hip hop connoisseur as yourself has never has uh, never taken yeah part of the chronic as the uh, yeah I know isn't it odd the old people say it's one of those things about me. What it's one it? of those things that led that one iTunes reviewer to say that. Uh, I'm a guy with a collection of eccentricities in place of a personality. Oh, wow. Ouch. Yeah. Sweet, huh? Fuck uh, you, dude. Oh, never mind. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to make something like, oh, you're a, you're a late period Wes Anderson movie. That's dumb, though. I shouldn't it say is, that. Yeah. Hello, Jordan and Jesse and guest. Uh, this is Casey uh, calling from uh, Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, I just asked my girlfriend to marry me. Um, based on a conversation where we were talking about how great it was that Jesse uh, had officiated a wedding for a friend. Um, not for a friend, for someone else. And, um, yeah, and we decided to get engaged because I was talking about that. And um, then sort of everyone thought it was a joke, but then it wasn't a joke, and then I really said we were going to get engaged. And so now we are going to get engaged. And that's the end of that. Okay, bye. Okay, okay. As a married man. Yeah. I'm a married man as well. Yes, right. You're also a married man. You got as a married it. pot user. As a, <laughs> as a married marijuana aficionado. Let's talk about vaporizer brands. <laughs> that story... Let's talk about one of those gas masks you put on that has the ponytail. Started out very romantic and then got a little dicey. Well, because Does there's a bunch of engaged? other people there. Yeah, it was, got a, it was a little confusing. I mean, here's the touching part. Yeah. He seemed so happy. And God bless him, because sure. it's a marriage is a, is a wonderful thing. It is a great thing. Um, whether it's between a man and a woman, uh, two men, two women. But then now what? A man and his dog. Yeah, what, it's a slippery slope, because now dogs are involved. Jesse, I don't know about that. I'm for all of it. <laughs> hey, look, I've got San Francisco values, my friend. I say gays should certainly be able to get married, and if that means men people can marry dogs, ah, fuck it. Why not? Sure. Let's go for <laughs> go it. For Sounds it. fun. All right, Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> Thanks. We've had all right. Now that you had your soapbox time, um, uh, what are we? Oh, you're saying that that wasn't very romantic. What? 
What well, because it, 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 it came out confused. that maybe there were other people there and that it was a discussion more than a proposal. And then he said, we're going to get engaged. I'm pretty sure it doesn't work that way. Yeah, you just well, ask and then they say yes and you're engaged. It's like a promise ring situation, it sounds like. <laughs> sounds like they're a couple of Mormon 16-year-olds. I've known some people that have gotten engaged in weird ways like that. Yeah, I'm not saying it's, it's unheard of. Yeah. But, yeah. It's, I, I, you maybe want to firm that up. Where I feel usually, what I feel like when I hear about a situation where people got engaged in some roundabout way like that, I kind of feel like maybe the lady tricked the fella into it <laughs> somehow, it like sort of backed him into a corner right, somehow. Right. Um, which you know may well be the fella's fault. I don't know. I'm not party to it, yeah. but um, I definitely think there's something to be said for uh, for surprising them, even if it means making them making it seem like oh I don't know, and then you even if you are going to propose. I think the surprise is nice. Yeah, and it doesn't have to. I I don't think any every proposal has to be on a at, hot air balloon. Yeah, it doesn't have to be crazy like that. But it, I think it has to end in a. It should at least come out of a cannon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who? Him or her? Or something. Something. Should be, I don't know what. So whatever. What you just figure fun, out whatever, the whatever. Jordan, but at the end are of you it, thinking of like Jennifer human... Lopez and the wedding planner? <laughs> I'm not. Just fire something out of a cannon. Are you thinking of a human cannonball, not a wedding proposal? What were we talking about? <laughs> Wedding proposals. We're talking about old-time circus freaks, right? <laughs> no, no. No. Well, well, is that why you've been biting the heads off of chickens this whole segment? Yes. Uh, if I'm, only you I'm guys could have seen. I'm sp- At the end of a proposal, there should spaced. be a definite engagement. Not yeah, not a we're going to, yeah. Hey, Jordan Jetsigo. Uh, this is Matt from New York. I'm calling in with a momentous occasion. Today, I bet a coworker that he can't eat 100 mini cupcakes in a half an hour. And it turns out he can't. So I won $70, and he ate 50 cupcakes. And a man died. And uh, finished the day with a horrible stomachache. Uh, so, yeah, uh, enjoy the show. Give it the good work. Bye. Here's what really happened. A fat person wanted to eat a bunch of cupcakes <laughs> and not be ashamed about it. That's what happened. That guy knew he couldn't eat 100 mini cupcakes. He just wanted to gorge himself shame-free. That's all that happened that day. And you got this guy got 70 bucks out of it. So good for him. Hey, guys. I can eat 50 eggs. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right, cool hand, Luke. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Co. Jordan, Jesse, go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's Radio Sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Nick, repeat Adams. Another delightful program with Nick, repeat Adams in the chair over there. Sure, always fun. Nick, when does your uh, when does your television program have its proper premiere? There was a sneak preview. There was a sneak preview, which apparently snuck by uh, most, great, of America. most of America. Yeah. Uh, but the, the proper season premiere of Perfect Couples will be on January 20th, Thursday night, 8.30, sandwiched in between two fine comedy programs. The community the, program. The community program, which is uh, picking up steam and getting better every uh, episode, I think. Yes, absolutely. And uh, a show that you may have heard of called The Office. I've heard about this program. I've heard it's a winner. It's a, I think it's going to stick. Um, hey, guess what? Hmm. Me and Jordan are yes. going to be in San Francisco. Absolutely. Uh, as part of the San Francisco Sketch Fest. You're, be, you're uh, beating me couple, up we've there. Got a, we've got a couple of... 
things going here. We got three shows uh, going let's, on. Let's enumerate. Okay, so number one, we you have your show with Hot Mess, your sketch comedy group. Yes, I have a sketch comedy group, Hot Mess. We perform down here at the UCB Theater. We will be up at the Dark Room Theater in San Francisco on the, oh gosh, 13th and 14th, I believe. Dark Room, a lovely little theater, an intimate venue, a great place to go see a show. Absolutely, yeah. We're, we're there with, uh, with some other uh, fine sketch comedy groups, uh, I think, uh, yeah, actually, thir- 13th and 14th. Of January, uh, sfsketchfest.com. Uh, so and in fact, after this, we will be uh, running a sketch yes. that you and uh, Ian from Hot Mess will be recording live. Yes, absolutely. Just yeah. for Jordan Jesse Go listeners. Mm-hmm. And um, also, uh, I guess you have a Sound of Young America show. I've got a Sound of Young America live program featuring uh, myself, of course, uh, the great John Vanderslice. Mm. Uh, Bobcat Goldthwaite, uh, the gifted film director and legendary crazy-voiced comedian and star of Hot to Trot. <laughs> um, but he was a great... He was on The Sound of Young America maybe four or five years ago. Uh, just a really fascinating, cool, funny guy. I haven't seen one of his recent supposedly credible movies, but I, I hear they're he's, very good. He's a really... I mean, he's just a... He's a really interesting, fascinating guy. Like, he... He sort of quit stand-up comedy in order to um, in order to. He was the director of Kimmel for quite some time, yeah. and uh, worked closely with Jimmy Kimmel for for a while. I think he worked on The Man Show as a director. Um, and basically, what what stand-up he does now is just to pay for these kind of really intense dark comedy films that he's made to much cl- critical acclaim. And I have to say, I did a show with him at UCB. I did uh, that show that uh, Ed and Seth did the puppet show. And uh, he's really funny. Like he's—I mean, I didn't yeah. know what to expect. I knew he wasn't going to be the, the police academy guy, right. guy, but he's—he's he's very, very funny. Even yeah, even if I remember liking him when he yelled. Yeah, yeah, that's even funny. The very funny Steve Dildarian, who is the uh, creator of the funny HBO show The Life and Times of Tim, will also be on that program. Uh, stand-up comedy from Baron Vaughn. Uh, and we may we may even pack in another special guest on that show. We'll see. Hmm. Um, and then we have the Monsters of Podcasting, the triumphant return to San yes. Francisco of the Monsters of Podcasting, ourselves and our friends uh, from You Look Nice Today. Uh, and those two shows are respectively on the uh, 22nd for The Sound of Young America Live and the 23rd for The Monsters of Podcasting, uh, both at the Eureka in San Francisco. Beautiful theater, wonderful place to see a show. Uh, they're really going to be a blast. SFSketchFest.com for your tickets. And I also want to mention, if you're here in Southern California, mm. um, we are doing a very special Sound of Young America Presents event uh, with the kind people from CineFamily, uh, which is we are showing um, one of my favorite films of all time. And when I say favorite films of all time, I'm talking like top three, uh, A Thousand Clowns. Uh, at uh, the uh, silent movie theater at CineFamily here in Los Angeles. And then afterwards, I'm going to be doing an onstage Q&A with the star of that film. When he was in the film, he was like 13, I think. Uh, Barry Gordon, who went on to become a lawyer and became the president of SAG um, and is now a talk radio host. Um, but he's also um, he also was the the kid who sang... All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. <laughs> cool. Uh, before he was acclaimed on Broadway and in films in A Thousand Clowns. But A Thousand Clowns is this amazing movie that stars Jason Robards as um, as a kind of down-on-his-luck comedy writer who's who's quit his job writing for a stupid kids' show, a sort of pathetic kids' show. Um, and Child Protective Services is coming to take away his... Um, 
uh, take away his adopted his adopted son, who's his nephew, um, who lives with him. And it's really, I mean, it's just for for a comedy fan uh, or somebody who who's in the comedy industry or or understands that world. I mean, we were talking about uh, emotional development and the comedy world. It's really about uh, it's really about a comedy guy who's struggling to figure out how to become an adult and and have real meaningful relationships in the world uh, without losing what's special about him and what makes him such a brilliant uh, comedy person, which is, you know, this, this passion and zeal and unique perspective on the world that he has. And it's just totally, a totally amazing, hilarious, touching film um, based on a Pulitzer or something, Tony award-winning play. And the the role that made Jason Robards famous, and for good reason, because he's totally fucking amazing in it. And also, uh, Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World is in it. <laughs> cool. So, if you're wondering about that, that's on January 27th. We all this, we were. all this stuff at MaximumFun.org. And hey, Max FunCon just uh, is full. It's now full. So, uh, if you want to try and get to, get into Max FunCon. Uh, you better get on the wait list. Um, we will let out a couple waitlist tickets at some point because we've sort of been conservative about the number of guests that we're going to book. So hopefully we'll have a couple of beds anyway. Um, but maybe just show up with a couple of smoking hot babes. <laughs> yeah, well, we might, that might get you past <laughs> the might velvet get you rope. In. Yeah, might get you in. Just so you know, the way we ladies, work ladies it is. Ladies drink free at Max Fun Con. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> two for one. Sure. Uh, waitlist at maximumfun.org. Be sure and include your phone number and uh, whether you are coming solo or coming with someone who will be sharing your bed. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. 206-984-4FUN, the number to call if you want to talk to us. <laughs> uh, 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 it was a pleasure to have you on the show, Nick. Thank you again. Always, always fun. Always look forward to seeing Coco. Um, and sissy. And sissy. And iced tea. <laughs> <laughs> oh. By the way, Coco and iced tea live in my second bedroom. Yes. Sure. Oh my God. Coco, now I have to go to the internet and just, uh, You know yeah. what? That's another, e- that's another email I've been getting a lot lately. I, apparently when I alluded to the fact that I got a new dog, I never said what her name is. Her name is Sissy. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a great dog. So for all of you out there who like to keep track of my dog's names and keep emailing me, sure. the second dog's name is Sissy. Uh, we'll see you next time on Jordan Jesse Goes. Keep it locked right here for a sketch from Hot Mess. All right, this is Taco Stop Radio Commercial, take one. Uh, Before you read, Dan, just remember, this is a big burrito for guys, so just give us intense and in your face. Okay, can do. All right. The new Beef Barrage Burrito from Taco Stop is a full pound of ground beef, refried beans, and our spicy chipotle napalm sauce. It's the burrito that goes boom. (laughs) All right, how was that? Um, is that good? Yeah, th- that was a good first take, but we're looking for something masculine. Uh, well, that's what I was doing, you know? I was really loud and... Yeah, just turn up the manly. tough a little bit. Think construction worker, football coach, dads on boats, that kind of thing. Oh, okay, got it. 
The new beef barrage burrito from Taco Stop is a Okay, all right, all right. I'm going to huh? stop you again. You sound like you have an elf's balls in your mouth, dude. If we mm. wanted a girl to read this, we would have gone down to the dress store and found one. I, I just don't know how much more masculine I can sound right now. Okay, you know? all right. Maybe I'm not being clear about this. This is for hard-drinking, barely literate guys who yell at cops and have a jet ski injury. You sound like a butterfly whispering a secret to his friend, a bell. Uh, okay. I could give it another shot. Fine, we gotta get this on the next take, though. Alright. The new beef barrage burrito Bigger. from Taco Stop is a full More pound manly. of green, Think green fried Khan. beans and You're a Charlie Sheen on a coke binge. Come on, man. You're an ape rapist. You're an ape rapist. Wait, wait, I don't understand. Am I an ape who rapes other apes or a person who's raping apes? Come on. No, just give me intense, regular guy. I'm sorry, that's what I was doing, though, don't you think? Okay, okay. Let's do it one line at a time. Say it with me. Uh, a pound of beef. A pound of beef! Okay, again, imagine you're a caveman killing a mastodon. Uh, a pound of beef! Okay, too brainy, Point Dexter. Think incoherent. You're a dumb motherfucker who lives to huff paint and puke at a social distortion concert. Uh, a pound of beef. Closer, you dropped out of high school to install car stereos. I'm not even saying words anymore. Gah! How can I make you understand? Oh, oh my god, man, what are you doing with that gun? Put it away! <laughs> oh, uh, say it, now say it. The new beef brunch burrito from Taco Stop is a full pound of ground beef. Refried beans. And a spicy chipotle napalm sauce. It's a burrito. That goes boom. Uh. All right, that is it. We got it, Dan. If you're not dead, take a lunch. <laughs>